Hello and welcome to the 267 podcast. Uh, I am Ben, tech wizard, my actual job title at the 267 project, joined by the actual monster from under your bed when you were a child, Mike Palin. Uh, <laughs> also joined by intern extraordinaire, Alex Stoney. Um, joined by musical prodigy, Finn Pyle and Youth Work Mastermind, Lizzie Plummer. How's everyone doing? Mike, how's it going? Yeah, this is our first podcast of 2021. I'm quite excited. And I've done a podcast with Lizzie, which was of quite, a subject of quite depth, I think. I think we had quite a way to... But Finn, I've never done anything like with Finn before. I'm quite excited about Finn. I think he's going to be a little bit of the sort of curveball rebellion type conversation so i'm quite excited about that uh, but yeah. yeah i've it's been a tough year like many people but i'm excited to be looking forward rather than looking to because each day becomes a little bit monotonous but i've just this last week got a bit excited about what the coming months are going to hold because it seems like things are going to get brighter each week so yeah i'm quite quite excited are you out stone Good. Even though it is February when we're recording this, I'm finding that I'm still very excited about writing a new year at the end of the date. So I'm, I'm on top of the world. Yeah. Wow. Can I, can I just add, sorry, it's a palindromic date today, which me and Zach were very excited about. It's what like a proper, mean? it means you can read it both ways. And Zach was really excited about that. I love a palindromic date. So we're recording on a palindromic date. They don't happen very often. Oh, it is. That's great. I know. I know. I'm here to please you with random facts. For anyone not listening today, because I doubt my editing's that quick, it's the 12th of February, uh, just for context. Uh, Finn, how's it going? Haven't seen you in, you know, there's been some things going on in the world, haven't had a chance to catch up. No, I know. It's been a while, but um, yeah, my first time on this podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to throw at me. Um, but no, I'm good. It's nice to have. It's nice to just have a chat, isn't it? It's very nice. Yeah, I do find that like I'm going increasingly insane. So little bits like this definitely, you know, <laughs> help out. Help just remind me that I can think incoherent thoughts. Uh, yes, and that's always good. Lizzie, how's life? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I find that I have to fight myself from writing 2020 in the day, <laughs> like. It's just one big blur of a year, um, so it's good to be reminded that it is actually 2021. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the fact that it's not March anymore in 2020 is hard enough for me to be convinced of. We're coming round to March again, though, so that's exactly. like growing me. <laughs> year anniversary. Great excitement. Uh, cool. So, for our intro question, I was going to ask you if you were a baked good. What baked good? would you be? So if I was a baked good, I think, it, um, it might sound a bit boring, right, but I'm going to go for a croissant, or however you pronounce it, I don't want to get any hate on this, okay, croissant, croissant, however you want to pronounce it, right, uh, because I feel like, you know, just at first, it's just, you know, just simple, but I feel I can go with a lot of different things, I can, I can have a lot of different conversations with all different kinds of people, um, and you know, like whether it's jam, whether it's Nutella, butter or ham or cheese uh so yeah that would be me a croissant or a croissant i want to know how we're, i don't know what the issue is with saying it how are you saying it finn 
Well, I don't know, but I just remember one time I said it and I got attacked. Um, <laughs> croissant. croissant. Do you, croissant. I think it's you don't, don't use the R. Wait, so croissant. 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 It's quoi, isn't it? Croissant. We were talking happened. beforehand about uh, how this is season two of the podcast and we want some <laughs> extra drama. And I'm excited that right off the bat we can be cancelled by France. Um, so, you know. Well, that just, that just affirms my belief that the French have brought nothing to the world stage at all. Well, if, if we, we weren't cancelled even... before, we are now. <laughs> But did you see the woman who put strawberries with feta cheese on oh. Twitter? And she got, she got absolutely destroyed. I mean, yeah, she put strawberry with feta and it, I mean, it looks like vomit, but she, she got completely mullered. So yes. you're saying croissant wrong, Finn. I think you're on safe ground. Okay, phew, phew. Alex, hit us with a beat again. Well, I, I was torn between two. I was going to go with a cinnamon roll because, I don't know, they're, they're kind of like a cool shape. Not that I'm a cool shape, but I quite like the shape. Um, <laughs> but also, you, you don't realise until you're in the centre, it's, it's, it's got some spice, it's got some sweetness. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's just a, me complimenting myself. But I was also going to go with a baked camembert because of the softness in the centre. I can't believe you've gone for two and stolen. Sorry. You're not sorry at all. No, baked you're camembert uh, yours. First she what? takes the office, now Aha. she's taking <laughs> your baked camembert. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm offended, it has to be said. <laughs> I've got to think of something else now. Aha. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with cinnamon roll then. I'll go with cinnamon roll. No, no, it means that your, your backtracking is empty. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lizzie, can you make your answer last about 10 minutes so I can think of something? <laughs> um, I'm going to go savoury and I'm going to say a fresh loaf of bread um, that's yeah, been freshly made out of the oven. The smell like is so good and love the homemade bread vibe. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with homemade bread. And is that because you smell good? Is that, <laughs> is that the reason behind it? You've got a crusty top. <laughs> <laughs> or was the logic it's, essentially it's just homemade I like bread. and it kind of yeah, it's kind of warm and feels good. Nice. <laughs> it's a good shout. It's a good shout. Uh, so I, I'm I'm gonna go. So what is the definition of baked? It has to go in the oven. Yeah, it has to have been baked. Sure. Okay. Has it been baked? Yeah, yeah, it has. I'm just curious about what the definition So, bake-off, why do they not always put things in the oven? Oh, that's because that whole show is a scam. Um, oh, okay, cool. Just clarify that. Paul Hollywood is a man who <laughs> needs to be stopped. Wow. Uh, How does he say croissant? That'd be the interesting thing. Uh, no, I'm going to go for a cheese scone. Cheese, cheese scone, because... Uh, well, a good cheese scone. I had a, a cheese, bacon and chive scone a couple of years ago that was homemade. And a bit like Lizzie said, the sort of straight coming out and it's warm and the smell probably was one of the nicest things I've eaten in a long time. And I am one of the nicest things that anyone's had in a long time. I can't think that's the only link I've got. 
I've just been, I've made the error of an icebreaker of just saying what I like rather than what I am like. I do think the error with the food ones is everyone just goes with. Oh, yeah. Man. Like for no, instance, I think Liz, Lizzie was spot on with them. and uh, well, actually, everyone was except me. Actually, but yeah, the with mine are quite unexpected. Like you think you're going to get a normal scone, and then it's cheese. So I will take that. I will Which, take that, Liz. Thank you. <laughs> you're not sure if it's worse or not, but you can find <laughs> out. Um, I was going to go with me just... <laughs> as a uh, a fresh baguette uh, because. I don't have a reasoning, I just went with the mic logic of the other day I just got a small baguette and sat and ate the whole thing and it was one of the greatest experiences of 2020. What, with no nothing yeah. on it? Just a baguette, man. That's all you nothing need. with it? It was a tiger loaf baguette. But no cheese or butter? Don't need cheese or butter with a baguette. Oh, I Freshly think you'll baked. find you do. That yeah. is odd behaviour, Simon's, on every level. A freshly baked baguette. Oh. I tell you, if you want to know a weird, so talking about baguettes, many years ago, before I found Jesus and love, uh, they're the two things that gave me a certain level of normality. I used to get a baguette, cut the top off, get a pair of tongs, pull all the bread out, so you had like this sort of torpedo shell, make a pot noodle, and then put the pot noodle in the baguette, and you basically had a pot noodle pasty. It was a thing of wonder. I'm excited that you found Jesus uh, <laughs> because you needed it. Um, it tastes so. Finn's, Finn's intrigued. I could see the look <laughs> in his eye. He's going, I'm going to try that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, what's he going to say? Yeah. I was going to link it in. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually, <laughs> one of the worst churches I've ever been to. I nearly kept going to just on the basis that they did communion with baguettes, which I was like, why have we not been doing this the whole time? If that was an option, no one thought of it. I mean, I used to go to a church that had the really, like, the wafers, which no one wants the wafers. Bring me a fresh baguette to church, then I'll love Jesus more. Um, <laughs> we were talking about, with Steve on a podcast, about the jazzy rating of churches, weren't we? Yes. Of what, what makes a church something you'd attend. And it was about everything to do with music. And the, the snacks were quite high up on there. And I think, yeah, to, to up the game of, of bread choice with communion would really, it would set you apart, wouldn't it? If you were, I mean, if you had tiger loaf, fresh, warm, straight out of a bread maker tiger loaf with your communion wine. I mean, that's, that's, an, that's an evangelism possibility right there. It's definitely very St. Albans. Like, you know, rock up to church and get your freshly baked tiger loaf. But I thought you were gonna say they had pot noodle with their communion. <laughs> that would be next level. Mike looks excited by this prospect. <laughs> I don't I don't know how you'd you'd sort of deliver it. That'd be my issue, Lizzie. I think it'd be Just I mean, it's dip a spoon in. Yeah, that yeah it's work. it's it's messy to eat on your own. I mean, I don't really want to share it. I do like the idea of making some old people in the church angry though by them complaining that a pot noodle is not theologically sound uh, as a basis for communion. And that idea thrills me. Uh, also, just the idea of everyone sitting around middle of church, just take your little pot noodle break. 
Or is it more like communion where you just get a spoonful of pot noodle? You don't get a whole one each. But you know what's interesting? Because I've done some extensive research into this in the times before I knew Jesus and love, was that if you take the pot noodle out of the pot, uh, something happens where it drops in temperature at a very rapid pace. Like, so literally, if you wait a minute or two while you're eating your pot noodle, if it's on a plate or a bowl, it's freezing cold. So there's something about the science of the pot that keeps it at a temperature that it's hot all the way to finish it. I saw, um, I saw a video where this lady, I think it was in Canada, she basically, so she got a spoon, a spoonful of a pot noodle and put it in the air. And then after about two minutes, it actually frozen in the air and it was frozen, you know, still in the wow. air. Um, I, know, I think it just shows you there's not actual food. It's more chemical. Process. So therefore, it, it, yeah, it reacts to things much more than normal food should. Okay. I'm afraid <laughs> I've just remembered that this isn't a pot noodle-based podcast. <laughs> um, Let's do that, though. Yeah, that was what, tune in soon for our new spin-off podcast. Two uh, Seven discusses pot noodle. Um, you know, there's so many flavours to unpack. But no, one, green. Well, yellow, sorry. That's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> um, the curry flavour is the superior flavour. But today, we're going to be having a chat about evangelism and all the things that entails. Uh, we've, you know, prepped the people we're chatting to slightly, which is a rarity. But I feel like evangelism is just one of those topics that encompasses so much and gets used so much in church i think without everyone entirely knowing what's being talked about so i thought i'd start off with just everyone saying what would you personally define evangelism as because i looked up the oxford dictionary one and honestly Ooh. pretty rubbish it was the spreading of the christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness which to me that's way too narrow. Yeah. You know, that doesn't do, do the job. For me, I think it's the expression of your faith through your own life, whether that's deliberate or, you know, subconscious or whatever. And that's, in my mind, that's what evangelism is, is using your life to express your faith. Uh, Love that. Love that. Yeah. My mine. Yeah, I think mine probably would be a long answer, but probably can be filtered down to loving people that aren't just the people that are like me. Because I think the problem with evangelism for us Christians is that we just want to tell people that are like us that are nice, safe, white middle class easy people whereas actually i think raw evangelism is the zacchaeus and the woman at the well and the woman in adultery and the all that and i, I i'd love it to be a bit more about you know those people so me being able to love people that aren't just the people that love me or like me or hang out with me the other people I think for me, um, just the first thing that came to my head was showing people what you believe and why you believe it. So um, it can literally just be through your actions and through how you treat someone. 
and someone else seeing that and thinking, oh, okay, you know, like they dictate their life and they live their life in a certain way. I wonder why that is. Um, and just planting those seeds, obviously it's the big stuff as well, which is great, but it's also just planting those seeds through conversations, through little um, gestures and stuff. So what you believe, yeah, showing people what you believe and why you believe it, I think for me. Yeah, I was going to say something quite similar that um, from my experience of evangelism, I think that it's sort of reflecting a little bit of the person that Jesus was. Um, so whether that's, I don't know, going and speaking about Jesus, but also living as Jesus did. So I think personally, I find evangelizing easiest when I act similar to how Jesus did. Um, because I think for some people, that's the easiest way to, I don't know, share your faith is by acting it out. I feel like everyone has kind of covered evangelism really well. And I, yeah, I don't have too much to add, but I would just kind of say that like often we think of evangelism and we think of the kind of role of evangelist. Um, and so we can easily like exclude ourselves from that because we don't think we're qualified like to be an evangelist but as we like have all been saying like each of us has a role to play in showing the rest of the world who Jesus is um, and that can start with kind of where you're at the people that are around you um, not just kind of going to another country to like show people who Jesus is um, but just showing the people right in front of you who Jesus is through the way that you speak and act and love people and are kind to people. Um, yeah. Love that. That's really because I was at a conference when we could have conferences a couple of years ago and somebody said one of the biggest problems the church is facing, facing is the professionalization of each role. So if you have an evangelist, we all sort of think, well, the evangelist does that, so I don't need to do it. And whether it's like the preacher, he studies the Bible, or the worship leader worships. And so we've almost just passed every element of our discipleship off to the professionals. And so we sort of say, I'm just then going to consume, and that's enough. And I think you're right about the evangelism thing. We think actually the only people that do evangelism are evangelists, when actually we're, to a degree, we're all evangelists so what does that look like which you've all spoken about but it was really quite powerful to think about actually we have professionalized some elements of the christian faith so that we don't have to do them which is yeah it's quite scary isn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah i thought i thought it would be useful if you could try and think of an example of a time when you've seen evangelism done really well in the church and also a time when you've seen it done really poorly uh so yeah feel free to take a second uh before we start doing examples it took me a minute to think of one well the poorly one i can get in there early to give you some time to think the guy that stands at the clock tower with the notice board telling you you're going to hell i'm not a fan it has to be said i think there i think we have not taken advantage of public preaching as much as we could but i don't think that's the way to do it because it has to be based out of relationship which we've all talked about so i think the the, the public sort of i don't know anyone but i'm going to stand there and have a bit of a rant i think that's one of the worst ways we reflect jesus it has to be said 
Yeah, I think an example of when um, I've seen good evangelism, um, yeah, the first thing that came to my mind was I went to these sort of like football socials where a group of us would meet up and play football. At first it was just a bunch of Christians. And then we wanted to have some element of outreach. So we, like, I, I mean, a few of us just invited a friend who enjoyed playing football um, along. And then what we do is we pray before and after a game of football. And just through that little thing, um, we were incorporating, you know, an element of our faith into something that's a massive, you know, football's a massive, massive sport. Um, and yeah, so just, yeah, sort of like putting that in sort of, I mean, at the beginning, drip feeding it, but then we sort of, you know, started having those conversations and that sort of encouraged it. So it's just planting those seeds by using something that is universally loved by a lot of people, you know? Um, I, from when I was at St. Paul's, um, I noticed that their community sort of evangelism was really good. Uh, so like around Halloween sort of time, they would put on light parties and in the summer there would be community day um and it was whether or not the people of the community realized it or not they were like st paul's church were inviting people into god's house whether or not i don't know they they met jesus there is a different question but they were actually coming into the house of god which is a really big deal just to say to the community hey you don't have to be a Christian but we're going to house you we're going to welcome you and I think that's a really really good way to evangelize love that um if I like I think back to when I was a youth pastor and actually seeing my own people bring their friends to youth group and wanting to involve their non-christian friends in school in kind of their faith and in like the activities that they do at church be it youth group or or kind of a Sunday service, um, or like the sort of survivor when that used to happen in the summer. Um, so just kind of seeing them bring their friends into their church space so that it wasn't a kind of church and school divide, but actually seeing them like merge the two was really cool. I love that. I think I think for me the, the sort of ways it works well is when you almost can sort of throw people's misconceptions out the window isn't it so we we've done the things like the love events where we've done love St Albans and love Harperdon and love Christmas where we've done this sort of random acts of kindness and the the sort of repeating theme is that when you give someone a gift like we gave away free flowers and we've done a free car wash the the moment when they first get it they're so unsure because they're not used to free stuff or free stuff without a catch because uh, you know we live in a world of transaction where you do something for me, I need to do something back. And then the sort of penny drops where they go, no, actually you're genuinely doing this for me just to express your faith and your love. And you, you get this sort of weird, magical <laughs> Holy spirit moment where they go, wow. So that is what, that is a reflection of your faith that you just want to love people and bless people. And we saw so many conversations come out of that because people why are you doing this? And we're going, well, just because we want to tell you that God loves you or we just want to reflect our faith anyway. And I think so many times people think either young people or Christians are like this or grace is like this or faith or religion is like this. And when you actually turn it around and say, actually, no, it's, it's, it's like this, it's the things we do the way we behave, the way we treat people, it sort of really throws them because they're just not used to it. We're not used to free stuff. Grace is, a, is an unknown sort of exploration and we need to 
be giving away stuff more because it helps us talk about grace really really easily um yeah i was i'm probably about to dodge my own question which feels you know not like something i should do but oh well um because i think i was trying to think of a way to say this sort of concisely without sounding like i'm saying don't do evangelism but uh i think for me the most effective evangelism is often when someone's sort of not trying to do it but is ready to um you know like i think the thing i was writing recently uh and i've finished writing about it so if this is really poor theology someone feel free to message me and correct me but i think it's really rare in the bible that jesus starts preaching or talking to someone without them asking him to um and i think maybe that's often where the church has gone wrong in the past is you know we're trying to invite people in but at the same time not listening to what they're asking from us um so i guess that's kind of how i've seen it done well and badly at the same time yeah listening's key yeah i was gonna agree and um and say that i don't think i've ever seen evangelism done badly because i don't i don't really think that you can say that any kind of evangelism is bad so to say but i think what i struggle with is the way that church makes evangelism seem because like i think when i was first becoming a christian i thought evangelism was standing on a street corner and talking about jesus but i think yeah i don't I don't think evangelism can be done badly. I just think we need to like move away from this idea of like evangelism is one kind of thing. Lizzie, can I put you on the spot? What does evangelism look like for a youth pastor? Because you, we've talked about this before, the pressure sometimes from a church is to look after your church kids when actually a lot of their faith and your faith says that actually I need to be reaching out so what is the sort of youth pastors sort of focus really how do you sort of balance that need to look disciple but also need to reach out as well i think like that can be a really hard tension because it can kind of feel like you're being pulled in two different directions um but i think from what i learned when i was a youth pastor and what i'm continuing to learn is that things don't fit into neat boxes and <laughs> doing ministry and the kingdom of god is messy and it it kind of blurs between all boxes and all lines um and i think the most important thing is about doing life with people um and it's about the kind of personal like journey with people um and equipping young people to go and reach their friends in mm. school so that you're not the one having to do all of the work but actually training up the young people and like volunteer team to be equipped to to share jesus with with their friends um and kind of walking alongside them in that and celebrating when that goes well and kind of working with them when it goes like really badly um and just kind of being there for 
the ups and downs, basically. Um, yeah. Love that. Love that. Well. Um, yeah, I think leading on quite nicely from that. Um, I think Mike keeps using the term seeing the light at the end of the tunnel uh, in terms of lockdown and things, which I think I'd agree with. It feels like we're starting to, you know, just about feel like we're getting at least heading towards the end. <laughs> Sorry, you have to use the most cautious language possible, don't you? Uh, but if we, you know, we've highlighted some issues we have with evangelism, and I think, you know, the word itself has a lot of negative connotations to it, especially outside of the church. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to sort of say, how do we approach it? It feels like we almost get this, like, you know, we're doing our season two of our podcast. I feel like after lockdown could be like the new season of the church, uh, you know, season three let's go with because i feel like you know old testament new testament and let's go with post-covid but you know we won't add anything else because blasphemy and all that but yeah i thought it would be interesting to see what ideas people have for actually how is it we're going to approach people and that can be a solid idea like you know taking people out for coffee or it can be more of just a actually i think we need to approach it in this way with this attitude but yeah, I think that would be massive for the church to actually, at the end of this lockdown, just take stock and go, how do we want to change? Uh, for me, it's definitely related to that, you know, asking questions. Uh, and also, I think a lot of it for me is Mike highlighted our love events. And I think what's great about those is it's the church leaving the church building. Uh, and I don't think we do enough of that. Because, you know, I was asked a lot when I was younger, why don't I invite my friends to church? And the answer was, my friends don't want to go to church. Uh, <laughs> so rather than saying, well, we need to try and harder to force everyone to go to church, why don't we go where they are? Uh, that would be helpful. But yeah, any other thoughts? Um, I was actually listening to a talk the other day. Um, it's from a vineyard, like network conference online um and they were talking about the kingdom of god and how actually there's like four aspects of the kingdom of god and actually like evangelism is just like one of them um but there's also like social action um and like growing church as well um and like signs and wonders and healing and, and miracles um and actually, I think it's important for the church to kind of focus on on all of those and not just about kind of how many people can we get into the church and how can we tell people about Jesus in the church. But it's also important to be out there on the streets praying for people and like praying for healing and like asking for miracles um, as well as it is involved being involved in in social action um, and we've seen throughout like lockdown the big kind of pushes on like making sure that everybody's got enough food and has access to like, technology for like home school learning and and those kind of practical things I think those things are just as valid as 
evangelism in the kind of sense of like preaching Jesus. We've also got to share Jesus practically as well. I'm reminded of, um, I think it was when I first started, I don't know, getting involved with the 267, but uh, we did a podcast on worship and um i remember we brought up something about like we need to go into things with the attitude of it's okay if i mess up it's okay if i stumble a little bit because i'll have people around me that can pick me back up and and give me the answers if i need them so i think evangelism as an 18 year old would be a lot easier if i was actively having the mindset of it's okay if i mess up because Honestly, I'm very, very scared that I'll get asked a question and I will not have the answers. So, yeah, I think, yeah, evangelism would be a lot easier if we all just sort of had grace. Yeah, I think that's massive. Um, I think the greatest skill I learned from like 14 to 16 was I'd have those conversations and essentially try and make it up on the spot because I think a lot of my teaching had been, well, once you start speaking, the spirit will move you and you'll know what to say and whatever. And most of it was just gibberish. Uh, So I think actually one of the greatest skills I learned was being able to just say, I don't know, Uh, I'll go look it up, you know? (laughs) Uh, And I think, yeah, maybe we have a fear in that sometimes of it looking like our faith isn't that strong by just going, actually, I don't know the answer. Uh, When... In fact, I think it looks stronger to say, actually, my faith isn't reliant on knowing the answer to that question or not, you know? <laughs> but yeah, that was my yeah. thought. I think, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting point you both make, because I do think that often um, good evangelism can come from a place of, like, authenticity um, and just having those honest uh, conversations. Because I know that if I'm, if I'm trying to, you know, have a conversation with someone who wasn't Christian, I know that, that if I'm honest about my faith and about what I've struggled with and they're going to see that and they're going to see like it's not as if you need to put up this front of being perfect because through these conversations are where some of the um I mean I guess like through being honest you know like some of the best conversations come through that so I think as you know as, um, as Alex was saying it's okay to say look I don't know or I mean yeah this is what I think but you know but we're always researching more and that stuff and just being completely um transparent is a really good way of of having some yeah really good evangelism I think I think what's interesting is, is that we still, I think one of the things I'm learning is that, is that it's not our call to save people. Uh, you know, there is this, you know, that bit of scripture, it says, you know, we plant the seed, but actually God waters it, the sun makes it grow. The weird science inside the sea that God has created makes it turn into the plant. And I think sometimes we, we put too much pressure onto ourselves to, save people you know we've got to have that slick argument we've got to convince them and actually it's not and it's almost goes back to what a couple of us said but particularly lizzie of this idea how do we love people so that then they are open to the idea of faith being something that is of benefit to them so you know this last year one of the greatest things to have seen is like we've shared about is communities loving each other practically whether that be with food with shopping trips with just checking in on each other you know a friend of mine got locked out of his house last week for four hours and he didn't know any of his neighbors 
and all of the neighbors came out and were trying to help him break back in and were just hanging out with him and he eventually after four hours got in because one of the neighbors knew how to break into a house which is a whole other conversation but he then went round the day after and dropped off a beer to a couple of these guys but he'd lived there and didn't know any of his neighbors and so this sort of normal interacting with people is is actually a way that god uses it to have these conversations and i think sometimes we think it's some sort of clever manufactured evangelism tool when actually it's just loving people and allowing god to use those conversations to point people to him the flip side of that which i'm a big fan i believe that church buildings are spiritually ordained spaces so that that god dwells in physical spaces because of the people that built them and because of what has happened in there and i think we're too scared to allow non-church service things to inhabit it so i'm sitting there thinking actually up north there's an old church that's been converted into a skate park and so they have these massive half pipes going up into the stained glass windows and all these things going on and so they're skating but they're in this beautiful spiritual space how about you know we start thinking about our churches not only being used for the hour and a half on a sunday morning but actually what do we use that physical space for now some churches are great at this because they've got you know cafes and mums and toddlers and food banks and stuff like but i think we need to be even more creative so actually by people just physically being in the building i think god can move and start conversations and lift people's heads so i think we need to be a bit more creative moving forward in how we use our spaces um even if it's some church saying hey 267 have my building you can do what you want with it sorry that's just a plug (laughs) um yeah sorry that's just reminded me from when i was (laughs) younger a really good thing that one of the local churches used to do was there were a few of us who would just like i knew a guy at the church so i'd just message him and say is the church building free tonight and then we'd just go and use their projector to watch movies um which you're like you know surely that's a perfect you know there's an empty building there's a bunch of teenagers that want to go watch a movie why not also hang out in church whilst you're doing it if a bible happens to slip open on the exact (laughs) passage that someone needs oh well uh I got in a lot of trouble once for suggesting we have a bingo night in the church. Because, because yeah, it's gambling. It just, yeah, and it was just this, <laughs> and I, I was sort of mildly naive about it. I was thinking, well, you know, it's, it, was a, it was a fundraiser. It was, it was all done, you know. They weren't paying to play each game. You know, the prizes were all quite ordinary. But I remember for some people, it was a, almost a secular and sacred thing, is that actually you can't possibly do bingo in a church. How do you? And obviously there are some things that we shouldn't do in churches, but it is interesting of how the physical space is used in some people's mind for this, but not allowed for that. You know, yeah. cinema's a great idea, Ben. That's it. Can you imagine cinema in the cathedral? Can you imagine watching Lord of the Rings with full big surround sound in the cathedral? Oh, that'd be immense. That's the one. And then it can be free as well. Take yeah. that city world. I mean, that's traveling at the moment. <laughs> Hope you're okay, city world. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> hope you're getting through. Yeah, they're pretty, they've got millions. Um, 
but yeah, I, I had a similar experience where um, <laughs> I I mentioned to someone that I liked playing poker once, and they looked to me as if I'd, you know, done some black magic uh, in front of them. I don't play for money; it's just a fun game. But just the mention of the word was, it was like I, you know, said one of the real like top tier swear words right in front of them uh, in the church building. I'm intrigued now by the tears of swear words, Ben. There's the one. That's another that, podcast. How I many tears yeah. are there? Uh, I'd say there's about three. There's oh, the okay. ones that I was thinking more. The ones you wouldn't raise your eyebrow at if a child said. The ones you wouldn't raise your eyebrow at if an adult said. The ones that no one is allowed to say. Uh, uh, okay. You know. Wow. I'm not going to list wow. them. Uh, no, let's not let's not go. There, there, there be dragons that place. Yeah, I'm especially not going to list the top two ones, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure there's some in your head right now. Can I follow up on something Lizzie said? So, if we, if we are a good faith community and we learn from the last year about what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing, what would be the greatest learning from the last year? that we should be taking forward into how we behave as a church that looks outward. So like Lizzie was saying, not to steal your answer, Lizzie, but the idea that actually knowing my neighbor and their needs, whether that be practical, emotional, you know, social or whatever. For me, that is the one thing is I think church gathering is something that we've missed and should continue. There's something about the church gathering, which cannot happen in the same way online. But our ability to connect with the physical people we live nearby, we haven't done very well. And it's almost like we've had to do it because the whole world's had to do it. So I want to take that forward and say, actually, I want to know how I can bless the people that I live, that live on my street and, and wider, you know, whether that be through meals or whatever. But I think that's the thing that how does the church use the learning of the last year to really explore reaching out? discuss i think the church will learn that i mean i'm thinking from like a young person's perspective that young people don't like being lonely like i mean of course everyone you know doesn't like being lonely but i think i think for me and for my friends like although sitting at home obviously you can facetime people and you can do zoom calls and stuff it does feel lonely and it's not a nice feeling and and i think hopefully the church will learn that if you put on an event and and, and there are young people there then i think a lot of people will actually go to it um because I do think there's a certain element of just being able to see faces after this. Like it's going to be so nice to have just real life conversations and real life greetings. And just, there's going to be a lot of people who are calling out for that. So just simple social interaction, let alone like a layer of faith-based stuff going on on top of that. So I think that's really important. It's just young people craving that interaction now. Yeah. I was thinking on, um, I think from what you were saying, Mike, I always think of my faith as like a battery in the sense that it has an input and an output. And I think the church has got very good at doing the input part, but not so good at doing the output part. Um, and I think what you end up with is, you know, like these professional faith workers, like you say, like youth workers and priests who, you know, we talked about it with our last podcast with Lizzie. Uh, you get youth workers who essentially are having to carry what should be a shared ministry just by themselves 
Um, so I think massively the biggest thing we can take away is, you know, trying to make sure that everybody in the church, not as a, the church, need, you need to start doing this because I don't want to, but uh, actually part of a strong faith is input and output, not just input. That's really, really significant, Ben, that. I think it's a really helpful illustration. I remember talking to someone a little while ago, and they said that, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but they, the church have got very good at releasing the, P, the Pauls into ministry, but not the Peters. So the Pauls are sort of religious types and giving them encouragement, but actually the Peters, the sort of ordinary working-class fishermen, they've not got very good at releasing them into ministry and i think there's probably something in there that actually if you look and sound a certain way we'll stick you on a stage and let you preach because that'd be really good for us but actually what about everybody else which is most of us how do we release and encourage and disciple all of us so that we can love people we can talk about our faith when we're asked um yeah i think that'd be a really massive move forward and then it isn't about like we said it's about the one person you know because otherwise we are come to church and hear this preacher you know that isn't a that's not a good sustainable way of doing things because if they don't like the preacher that's it they're done whereas actually come and hang out with me do you want to have a meal together come and play football with a bunch of guys that just happen to be christian that's a much better way to be exploring you know a faith conversation yeah i really like that analogy the kind of Peter and Paul thing and actually picking up on something Alex was saying before is that like Peter like had permission to fail like he failed like so many times in so many different ways um but Jesus didn't kind of write him off he like picked him up again and encouraged him and rebuked him at times and kind of sent him back out again and so I think there is something about the whole congregation the whole community of church being empowered to go out and to try and that it's okay to fail and to go out and to try again um yeah i think that like is going to be really important like moving forward i think also um in the last year uh, from my experience sort of like the wider church almost like the church building becoming empty um there's been a sort of like rise in small group ministry and um I've really noticed that there's been a shift from small group ministry being for socializing and fellowship which is great but there's been this sort of learning curve where small groups have realized that they are mini churches like they're for support but they're also for worship and focusing on equipping each other to then go and serve outside of the church building. So yeah, from the past year, I think there's been a massive shift in the dynamics of small groups and connect groups and home groups. I think Finn touched on it, didn't he? I think there will be this craving for community that actually the, the church family is very good at doing most church communities i'm in they're very good at hospitality they're very good at welcome they're very good at just banal chat for hours on end you know we're very good at just being together it's almost our it's our forte and but like finn said we're going to come out of this and every age group you know is going to be missing community 
on every level from the just sitting, having a cup of tea and chatting through to having an embrace with someone. I was pinching myself yesterday. It's a year since I've shook someone's hand. Can you, believe, can you fathom that? It's a year since I've shook anyone's hand. And you're sitting there thinking, we're going to come out of this. There is going to be a really simple need that people will want to gather together in every way, shape, and form, in small and in big. So literally, for 267, as soon as it looks like it's possible, I am booking every possible residential gathering, breakfast, building, everything, not to saturate it, but because all the different groups of people, the different circles, all the different places God has put us, there will be this need to have community. And I think we, if we, if we start this well and do this well and are ready for it in the next few months, that the benefits and the fruit from being there for people will be just mind-blowing, from, not just from an evangelistic point of view, but for people being whole because they've been loved and they've been included and they've been welcomed. So they're not on their own anymore because a lot, some people, we forget this, that some people have spent a year on their own. If their situation has meant that they've been on their own, which is paralyzing. And we can really offer the simplest, most basic need, which is community. Yeah. I, um, I heard, I think it was Tim Ross, uh, I always quite enjoy uh, start chatting about how essentially what would happen if instead of you know immediately going we need to fill our own need for socialising uh, after lockdown what if we poured that into the other people who are needing it uh, as the church which is a terribly paraphrased version of what he said um, but then you know, I have started to try and apply that to my thought process for after lockdown. Like, uh, I was having a chat with my mum the other day, and I think we were just just starting to dare to discuss about the possibility of maybe going somewhere in summer. You know, just throwing out the idea. Uh, it seems seems like something to dream for. Uh, but the thing I said to her was because I'd changed my mindset on uh, how I was thinking was before I'd book anything, I want to know what's happened with two to seven, because as Mike says, like, I imagine our summer is going to look roughly like three months in Felden Lodge or wherever, <laughs> you know, the moment we're allowed to, uh, I think we'll be doing that. And that sounds great to me. Um, so yeah, I do think that's something that the church as a whole, that mindset from Tim Ross that he was talking about of let's capitalize on that need is massive. Uh, the other thing, and we'll do last thoughts after this because I'm realizing we're approaching the 50 minute mark, which we've really hurried through. It does not feel like it. Um, but uh, I've been writing about it and thinking about how evangelism is almost like a right that has to be earned with someone um, in the sense that I feel like a lot of the times when the church is going out, it's here's this thing you need and maybe they don't know who that person is. Uh, whereas I think a lot of the times when it's built on, I know this person and I trust them and I trust their worldview or whatever, that's when they start asking questions. Um, and I do think that that is sort of, you know, 
I feel like because we know we have this right to evangelize from God, we almost feel like everyone else should know that. But it's difficult to tell someone, don't worry, I have a right to evangelize from a God that you don't believe in, uh, <laughs> which feels like a difficult pass to sell. So yeah, I do think a lot of it is um, waiting for people's to permission to talk to them about God, but at the same time, you know, talking about it from your own perspective and your own experiences. Uh, so, I guess we'll just do any closing thoughts uh, on evangelism, anything that's been in the back of your head that you've been burning to say, uh, anything you want to plug, feel free. Um, Alex has her new, you know, merch line coming out soon. Yeah, what's this seven thing? intern merch line. <laughs> uh, Finn's got an album coming out. You watch, it's going to sell us. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually doing Mike's job for him. I just say, as soon as we're out of lockdown, go to two, six, seven events because I know that I'm very much looking forward to whatever you have in the store. And I think it's an example of um, an event that can attract non-Christians and, and it's not too seemingly scary from the... Yeah, from the get go. So I think that's something that I definitely encourage is events like the, um, I guess, yeah, like the one two six seven when I just find them really, really um, helpful and actually easier to invite my friends along to. Um, so yeah. Thanks, Finn. I, I, I've been chatting with my little boy Zach about the Good Samaritan because we've been talking about love because it's Valentine's Day on Sunday, so we started talking about love, and it was really interesting having now reflecting now after all the conversation that we've just had, is that what if as we leave lockdown, rather than we're trying to say something, we're trying to do something instead. You know, the idea that some people might feel like that guy that got beaten up on his journey, that's what they're feeling like as they come out of lockdown. And what they don't need is someone to come up to them and give them a platitude and say, you need Jesus, mate. What they need is someone to come up to them and, and put balm on their wounds and carry them to a safe place and then make sure they need for nothing. And I think more and more I'm thinking actually, when we come out of lockdown, I wanna be, be having God's eyes to be able to say, who, who have I got to uh, bind their wounds? Who have I got to put on my donkey and take to an inn? Who have I got to look out for? So not talk about Jesus too, not invite to something, but just almost be that wordless love, which, the, the Good Samaritan was because I think people are going to come out of this year utterly beaten up and we've got to think actually for some people it would be a physical healing they need but for others it would be like Finna said it would be I just need to be with people that aren't my family or I need, need to see someone in the flesh that's not on a screen and I, I just want us to be really ready for that because um, I think we, we can serve a real need uh, in this season I'm not singing to finish, Ben. I just want to play. <laughs> um, is everyone good on? Lizzie, um, go. Um, yeah, I would just add, um, Mike. I like. I love that. Um, and I would just add that I think it's also important that we are doing that now in lockdown. Mm. So I think people will remember how we have treated them and like reached out to them with a message or kind of said hi over a fence if it's a neighbor people remember that now in some of the like with the the good samaritan story um like he remembered how he was treated um mm. and so i think it's really important to like even 
if we're personally like lockdown like finding lockdown really hard remembering others and and kind of sending a message to say hey how are you how's it going um and kind of walking the hard road of lockdown together because i think how the church treats people now is going to send a massive message to people coming out of lockdown um and if they were remembered by the church in lockdown then they're more likely to say hey like you treated me so kindly in lockdown i want to give you time to hear what you've got to say um oh the church forgot me in lockdown so why should i listen now kind of thing when we come out that needs to be on a flipping t-shirt that is just (laughs) so true yes plumber i think that's perfect to finish us off with i will also as you know he he gave us a shout out on our own podcast i think that uh we should also tell everyone to go listen to princes to kings yeah uh the pile brother musical trio uh you guys had a music video out what like a month ago something like that yeah yeah about a month ago and we got some yeah some new music coming out this year it'll be good so go, you know, Spotify, YouTube, all the places. Everyone knows how Google and things works. Uh, great. Well, I guess thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you all for more of season two of the Ten podcast. It's completely the same. Bye. <laughs>